Do you remember the first time you got punched in the face? Maybe you've never been punched in the face, but I remember very specifically the first time I got punched in the face. It was in training, so it was allowed. And I found out some interesting things about myself. Now, it was one of the preparations for going to war, and so it was simulated being taken captive by the enemy. And what they did is basically hauled me out into a field with a bag over my head, started shaking me and asking me questions, and and I felt like I was going to answer all their questions till I got punched in the face. And I found something, like I said, interesting about myself. That it made me angry. And no, it didn't matter what they did to me at that point. They weren't getting anything out of me other than yes or no. And it's a coping mechanism. But what kind of coping mechanism? In this case, it's a kind of resilience. How we deal with strategy. I'm not strategy. How we deal with adversity. That's what resilience is. And it comes in many different forms in many different ways. Welcome to Todd Talks, where I help you design your best life. Not the, not the life that I designed for you, but the life that you desire. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about how you can improve your life through strengthening your resilience, strengthening your capability to deal with tragedy, adversity, and struggle. So what is resilience? Resilience is typically defined as the capacity to recover from difficult life events. Uh, quoting from everydayhealth.com, it says, It's your ability to withstand adversity and bounce back and grow despite life's downturns, says Amit Sood, MD, the executive director of the Global Center for Resiliency and Wellbeing, creator of the Resilient Option Program and former professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Developing resilience is both complex and personal, and it involves a combination of inner strengths and outer resources, and there isn't a universal formula for becoming more resilient. All people are different. While one person might develop symptoms of depression or anxiety following a traumatic event, another person might not report any symptoms at all. This is totally true. I remember a very sad and tragic event uh, back when I was in Iraq many, many years ago. There had been a car bomb that had gone off, a VBID, IED, and it had hit a Humvee and killed five people inside that Humvee. There were six in the Humvee, and the sixth person was essentially unharmed. The devastation in the faces of all the service members as we showed up and picked up the coffins for the people to carry them on, the soldiers to carry them on their first first leg home was, it was pretty sad, pretty hard to, to take. It was also pretty well known and happened a lot at that time period in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm not saying this to, to make sorry, but there was a hundred people that came onto that airplane. 
and said their goodbyes. But that sixth person in the car, his resilience failed him. And a week later, we came back and picked up his corpse after he killed himself from survivor's guilt. Resilience allows you to deal with tragedy. It allows you to deal with struggle. It allows you to deal with any of the many things that happen in life because life ain't easy and it's only getting harder. It seems like governments and people and divisions that have been created across political, emotional, social, spiritual lines are continuing to be just pushed further and further apart, which which causes more friction, which causes more stress and anxiety. Now, you could go the, the route of medication, which I don't really recommend unless it's needed, because there are natural alternatives. What I do suggest is learning how to control or learning how to strengthen your resilience so that when you are faced with challenges and trials, you're not left with an empty pack. Quoting a little bit more from from everydayhealth.com, a combination of factors contributes to building resilience, and there isn't a simple to-do list to work through adversity. In one longitudinal study, protective factors for adolescents at risk for depression, such as family cohesion, positive self-appraisals, and good interpersonal relations were associated with resilient outcomes in young adulthood. People who lack resilience are more likely to feel overwhelmed or helpless and rely on unhealthy coping strategies such as avoidance, isolation, and self-medication. One study showed that patients who had attempted suicide had significantly lower resilience scale scores than patients who had never attempted suicide. Resilient people do experience stress, setbacks, and difficult emotions, but they tap into their strengths and seek help from support systems to overcome challenges and work through problems. Resilience empowers them to accept and adapt to a situation and move forward. In other words, resilience is the core strength you use to lift the load of life, says Dr. Sood. End quote. Developing resilience, learning to lift the load of life, developing that core strength that you can tap into comes from several places. One is learning your core values, learning and living by your core values. As discussed in my earlier podcast with, uh, with Shane Murphy, your core values, will, they are your center point. And when you're not living according to your core values, then guess what? You're out of balance. And when you are out of balance, your resilience, your capacity for dealing with, with adversity diminishes. So the first off is figure out your core values. And then live by your core values. Recognize when you are out of balance and make steps to change. Make steps to 
live according to your personal core values. Second, resilience allows you or teaches you how to accept and adapt to situations and move forward. How do you do that? How do you accept difficult situations? This is where mental training, mental preparation come in. This is where self-care, journaling, self-talk, motivation, all of the self-help books that you've, that you've read or haven't read and should read come in and strengthen your mental capacity for dealing with challenges in life. Because the more you study and the more you learn, the more pathways are developed in your brain. And when the pathways of, of positive mental attitude are developed, it strengthens the flexibility of your brain, the flexibility of your mind to be able to adapt to challenges and, and traumas. One of the interesting things that I just saw the other night was it was a study that talked about how negative thinking literally causes brain damage. When they do MRIs, just thinking negatively causes damage within your brain. And positive thinking and positive attitude and a positive outlook towards goals and dreams actually create new neural pathways which strengthen the elasticity and resilience of your mind. And they've done these studies with MRIs and, and you know, those mind mapping electrodes and things that they do. And they've, they have shown that the more positive you are, the more habits that you develop that help you to think positively help you to become more resilient during negative times, during setbacks. Whereas if you are hardwired to negativity, you're actually damaging your brain. And guess what? You're not hardwired for life to negativity. You can change. They have proven, it has been proven via study after study after study that our brains are elastic, that we can change from negativity to positivity. But you have to want to. That's the first step. You have to desire to change. You have to know that you want to change. So step to building resilience is develop the desire to change. As you develop the desire to change, you're naturally going to need tools and techniques that will help you to build that resilience, that will help you to build and bring you back into balance. As you notice your emotional direction, whether it's shifting towards positive or negative, and you start focusing inward via meditation, via thought, just sitting there and analyzing your emotions and thoughts, however you do it, as you get to know your emotions, and you have to take time to do this, you can see where, which way you lean. I think most people, most of you know whether you tend towards the negative or tend towards the positive. But if you, as you begin to understand your emotions, 
you can learn techniques to help your body return to balance. Out of the book, How to Do the Work, there are a bunch of ideas given on how to return to balance. And uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera reads, or writes, help your body return to balance. Now that you are becoming more aware of the changes in your body as a result of your emotions, you can begin to develop practices to help your body return to its baseline state. Remember, everyone is unique and will respond differently to different activities. Take some time to explore the various ways you can soothe your emotions. It may take some experimenting with these activities to see which ones work best for you. There are two types of tools that you can use. Soothing one, soothing tools, and enduring tools. Soothing activities. Take a bath. Soaking in warm water can help calm your body. Doing self-massage. Reading. Catch up with that book or article you've been re- meaning to read. Listening to, playing, or writing music. In fact, the music that you listen to or play actually causes changes within your brain that can strengthen or weaken that response. Snuggling. I like this one myself. This can be with anyone or anything, including your pets, your kids, your friends, your partner, or a comfy bed pillow. Moving. Get up off the couch, get out of that chair, and move. Any kind of movement will work. Expressing your emotions. Try screaming into a pillow in the shower or outside in a large empty space so as not to worry your neighbors. In an earlier podcast, I talked about the benefits of doing a primal scream or also of yelling at a tree. Techniques that get the emotions out of you and clear your head and clear your mind, which allows you to strengthen your capability to resist stress. Writing, journal, write a letter, write a letter to God, write a prayer, write a poem about what you're feeling, write, get those emotions out of your head. Those are all soothing activities. Enduring activities can be resting. Yep. Take time, cancel plans, do what you need to do and catch up on that sleep or rest. Ground yourself. Use your five senses to direct your attention to what you can see, smell, hear, and touch. Breath work, meaning focus on your breathing. Meditate. What do I say in my meditation? Focus on your breath. It will help to ground you and it will help to center you. When you're in a stressful situation, what I usually tell my friends and clients is, Just breathe. Focus on your breathing. Long, slow inhale, long, slow exhale for at least five to 10 breaths. As you do that, you're able to push away some of that stress and anxiety and refocus on the now. Spend time outside in nature. You know, bring your attention to the full experience of your surroundings. Nature is calming. It is so good to get out and hike, get among the trees, get away from the city, just get out in the fresh air. Meditate or pray. 
You know, I can't say enough about meditation and prayer. That's why I did a, an entire episode on meditating and actually gave you a guided meditation, which at, which helps and that works for me. I've listened to it myself and it works to reduce anxiety, reduce stress. Prayer always works. I'm a religious person and I believe that praying is a form of meditation that you're talking to a heavenly father that he is there to hum- comfort you and to help you in whatever situation. Reciting affirmations. I have found affirmations to be super powerful to changing a negative belief into a positive belief, to strengthening my own self-esteem and my own ability to withstand affliction. Distracting yourself and getting support are a couple other ideas. Sometimes you actually need external help and you need to be willing to go get it. Sometimes you should go see a a therapist. If you're undergoing a lot of stress, it may not be enough to just write it out and it may not be enough to, I don't know. The reason I'm saying I don't know is because I'm thinking about that guy that committed suicide, that soldier that committed suicide from, from survivor's guilt. And I wish, I wish that he had gone and talked to somebody. There, there's always somebody in a unit designated to talk to a chaplain, a, a counselor. If you're under that kind of stress and that kind of mental anguish and that kind of negativity and trauma, go talk to somebody, seek out a professional and get help doesn't mean you need to get medicated and it doesn't mean that you're wrong or a bad person for seeking help. In fact, it shows your strength that you recognize that you can't do things on your own. Try as we might, there are things and traumas and anxieties that we cannot get over without help. I am here to help you, but if this is not enough, seek professional help. There should be no shame and no stigma attached to seeking help. So I've given you a lot of good ideas, a lot of things that can help you to improve your resilience. Try the different ones out. If you need to, if you need to meditate, go try, look for episode, I can't remember what episode it is now, 40 something, that is the guided meditation. If you need to talk, send me a message, okay? I can be reached on Instagram at toddtalks underscore IG. I can be reached on Facebook at Todd Andrewson, and I can be reached via email at toddtalks.comments 
at gmail.com. I'm here for you. This is Todd Talks. We're available everywhere podcasts are available. Leave us a five-star review if you thought this was helpful. Subscribe. Refer this to your friends. I am here to help you live a better life, improve yourself, and design the life that you desire. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a blessed day.